Thank you for that. Amen. All right, if you have your Bibles, if you can't take them, we're in 1 John chapter 3, and we've been going through the study of 1 John chapter 3. And amen to that solid rock on which we stand. And uh, thank you all so much for being here this morning, on this beautiful Sunday morning, whenever there were probably so many other things that you could find to do outside today. Uh, you've made time to be in the house of God, and so thank you so much for being here. Thank you for Pastor for allowing me to get up here and, and preach this morning. And um, we've been walking through the book of 1 John, and what we see in 1 John chapter 3 this morning is a word that is mentioned five, five or six times in this passage here, is the word heart. And uh, if you study this word heart, you know that it is this organ right here um, that beats, okay? That is, that's, your, that's your heart. Um, but this is not necessarily what the Bible passage is speaking about this morning. Uh, the word heart in the Bible definition is the vigor and sense of physical life. Also, the center and seat of spiritual life, the soul or mind, as it is the foundation and seat of the thoughts, passions, desires, appetites, affections, purpose, endeavors. What we would say is the heart equals the inner man of this passage. Of a soul's conscience, either good or bad deeds. And so, there are other verses that I have on a screen, on the slide that's next. Um, and that is several passages in which this word heart is found as well. There are several other places in the Bible, and you can look through there. There's Acts uh, 21, verse 13, talking about his heart. Paul answered when he, What mean ye to weep and to break mine heart? Um, Acts 2, 37 and when they heard this, they were pricked in their hearts. Job 27, my righteousness I hold fast and, I, and will not let it go. My heart shall not reproach me as long as I live. What is that talking about, our heart? Well, we understand in, in throughout creation and throughout our great creator and in the book of Genesis, we understand that every person on this earth can know that there's a God by two things. Number one, creation itself cries out that there's a divine order in which everything is laid out. Which means that there must be a divine creator. This didn't just all happen by happenstance. The second thing that we understand is there's a conscience in every single person. God's given that to every single person. So when Cain killed Abel, the very first sin that we see, or one of the very earlier sins that we see, not the first one, the tree would have been the first one, but the earlier sins that we see where Cain killed Abel. And you see that he's very upset. He thinks, people are going to kill me. I'm, I know what I did was wrong. He had that recognition of that. And so through that, we understand that there's a conscience inside each and every one of us. So how do we decide on good and bad? When we listen to our heart, today's world is, love them with all your heart. Oh, I love you with all my heart. That's like the cliche thing. And yet, what does that actually mean? What does that really look like in the Bible? So that's what we're going to kind of talk about a little bit today as well. Ecclesiastes 7, 20-22 talks about, For there is no just man upon the earth that doeth good, and sinneth not. Also take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest ye hear thy servant curse thee. For oftentimes also thine own heart knoweth that thou thyself likewise hast cursed others. When we're really honest with ourselves and we look in our inner man, we see that in ourselves, we've actually done some wrong things. Each and every one of us. 
And to look at ourselves and realize that we're all sinners in need of a Savior, we need to take that time to reflect on that inner person. Because oftentimes we, we go throughout our lives thinking, hey, I'm not that bad. We can always find someone that's worse than us. We can always find someone who's doing a little bit not as good of a job as we are. But that's not what John here is talking about. He's asking us to look within our own selves as an individual. And so this morning, I ask you to do the same thing. The title of this lesson is the ABCs of a condemning conscience or a condemning heart. The very first thing that we see and that we need is assurance that you are a Christian. Assurance that you are a child of God. And it's found there in verses 18 through 20, where he again mentions the key phrase there, my little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And hereby we know that we are the truth, we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and knoweth all things. John doesn't want to have want us to have any uncertainty of where we stand with God. He says, Hey, you're his little child. You're his children. Those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ. We've trusted in him. We are. His children. And we look at these truths and we realize, though, that we still have sin in our lives, each and every one of us. It's, it's kind of unique when, when um, Doc came up here and said, in order to be a Sunday school teacher, you've got to be a really good person. I thought, well, then I am not qualified for a Sunday school teacher at all. You know, my heart condemns me every time I get up here, before I get up here. I have to wrestle with myself to realize who am I to get up here behind this podium, behind this platform, and preach the Word of God because I know my own sin. I know my own shortcomings. I know my thoughts as well. And yet, God, for some reason, still desires to use me. God still desires to use these disciples, these apostles. And God desires to use each and every one of you as well. And what great truth there is found in this 1 John chapter 3. Because we realize that yes, our heart condemns us. Yes, it is our conscience. Yes, there's something within us that tells us that we've done wrong. But he says, hey, don't lose sight of who you are as well as a child of Jesus Christ. Don't, don't forget about what God sees when He looks at you. If we were to take a screen and, and, and put a video up here of your three top worst sins of your life. And we would have a clip of that playing. None of us would ever want to see the other person next to us again. None of us would ever want to come back to this room again. And we realize how our sin affects us. And you know what Satan does? He likes to remind us of those sins. You know what our own conscience does sometimes? It reminds us of our past failures and mistakes and constantly brings those back up to our mind. And John says, don't lose sight of what you've done. Don't forget that, yes, we're all sinners in need of a Savior, but as a child of God, you are so much greater now. And there's certain alienate alienable rights that we have as a child of God. There are certain rights that we now partake in because as a child of Jesus Christ, we are His. God is willing to forgive each and every one of those sins that we thought of. Man, if those played up there on the screen, that would be awful. And you know what the Bible says, though? 
God's forgiven us. If we've asked, He's forgiven. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness, that those sins are no longer a part of our makeup, a part of our DNA. That God has separated them as far as the east is from the west to remember them no more. What joy that brings to us. We live in a society today where people are living with guilt. They're walking around and walking in shame and hurt because they're living in a condemning spirit. And we don't have all the truth. I was witnessing to someone, this was several years ago, and she was right there on the verge of accepting Christ as her personal Savior. And she said, but I'm just not where I need to be. I need to clean up some more things in my life before God will listen to me, before God will accept me as His. I said, you've got it backwards. God wants you just as you are, and He cleanses you from the inside out. God does the work. And she came from a very strong Christian family, and what she had been taught and what she had been treated like was the fact that when she had done wrong, her Christian family cut her completely off, never to want anything to do with her anymore. And the love... And her home was no longer there. The Christian Christ-like love was no longer there. And so she thought, in order for me to have a relationship with God, I need to clean myself up. I need to act right. And how many times as Christians have we written somebody off? And praise the Lord that He never writes us off. Praise God that He is always there and His mercies are new each and every day. His love for us is everlasting, is eternal. And the joy that we find in 1 John chapter 3 is something that is so unheard of today. Even amongst Christians. Even in churches. And it should not be in our first century church. It wasn't in our first century church and it shouldn't be today as well. The love of Christ. Realizing as well that so often our our own conscience is what condemns us and stifles us from being what God has for us. I used to think, I never want to see my high school friends because they always laugh about what I do now. They always think, what, you're you're a pastor? What, you teach the Bible? Are you, what? It's a shock to them. And that same condemning of, of that also reflects what is going on inside of me as well. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it's what so often hinders us from becoming that Sunday school teacher because we think, well, I'm not perfect. I'm not where I need to be, but we're trying, are we not? Are we striving for the mark? And to realize that God desires for us to just strive for that mark, to run the race with patience. To not allow our conscience to condemn us so much that we are not able to be used of God today. There's verses up there as well talking about Ephesians chapter 2, 8, 9. And I try to put verses that correlate with salvation, correlate with our lives for Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith in that not of yourselves, it is a gift of not of, yeah, it is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, this relationship that we have with God is not because we're some really good person. God's accepted, oh wow, you've done good, okay, now I'll accept you. No, we come to Christ by faith, and by faith 
we are His. It is not of ourselves, lest any man should boast. It is not of our works, our talents, our abilities. It is through faith in Jesus Christ. And we are sealed until the day of redemption. And He seals us with the Spirit in our hearts. There's also, number two, a basis of answered prayers. There's a basis of answered prayers that John goes in and talks about as well in verses 22 through 23. And whatsoever you ask, we receive of Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. Verse 23, and this is His commandment, that we should believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as He gave us commandment. It's unique how it's not commandments. It's commandment. It's one. It's singular. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love others as yourself. The main thing that he's focusing on this right here is saying, when love the Lord your God. Believe on the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. And when we don't believe on the name of the Son of Jesus Christ, we are condemned already is what the Bible says. That's what Scripture says. And God's desire is that we do not go to a place called hell. His desire is that none should perish, but that all should have everlasting life. Amen. And to look at this and to realize that He, we have answered prayers. There's a basis of answers prayers. That it is never gone. It is never lost. No matter our sin, no matter our shame, no matter our guilt. That we still have a relationship with God. Fellowship may be broken, but that relationship with God and He is ours and we are His and we can commune with Him is something that is never too far gone. There are some times where I, where I think as I pray, I think, Lord, you, you know what I've done. You know I messed up. You know I could have done this better. So Lord, I'm not going to ask for anything big today. I just, I just would like a little bit more help with that. Because I feel like that's all I deserve, Really? I feel like all I really deserve is just a little, something small and insignificant. Not something great. Because my sin is really bad. And I believe that so often I get something small and insignificant because that's all I'm really asking for. That's all I'm really agreeing with God about. Because God agrees with me in the fact, and I can agree with myself and realize that whenever I truly ask for that forgiveness, when truly my, relation, my fellowship is mended again with God, that I can ask for the things in which I desire, the things in which are pleasing to Him, and He will give liberally. He'll give me wisdom again, liberally. He pours it out on me. He wants to bless each and every one of us. And how our flesh and how Satan wants to remind us over and over of our failures. And so we don't always ask for things. We don't always come to God in prayer because we think, well, He doesn't want to hear from me today, but oh, He does. Even when He knew Adam and Eve's sin in the garden, He still came down in the cool of the day and was looking for them. He still came down and was like, Adam and Eve, where are you? Where are you? And they're hiding in the bushes. And yet, God wanted to still have that fellowship. And God still wants to have fellowship with each and every one of us. God wants to have 
a relationship and this fellowship and sweet fellowship with each and every one of us. How are we to pray? Well, we're to come with boldness, assurance, confidence, sincerity. That's how we come to the throne of grace. That's what God's Word says is to come to the throne of grace with boldness and sincerity. And so often we come and we just continue to carry these things, these sins, and we come like a, like a whipped puppy before the King, before our Father. Carrying these things around still because we're not allowing God to take them from us. This basis of answered prayers. He's always listening. He's always making intercession for us. In Hebrews 7.25 it says that. John, 1 John 5.15 says, And if we know that He hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of Him. God is always speaking through His Word. God is always making Himself known. And so often we listen to our, our conscience, this convicting heart, instead of assuring ourselves with what the Bible says. Assuring ourselves and claiming the promises of God through His Word and realizing this is truth. And we are more than conquerors because we have Christ Jesus in us. We are more than conquerors and we are more than capable than overcoming sin because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. And we need to agree with God in these ways. Which brings me to the third point, confidence in Christ. Verse 21 and 24, we're going to jump up and then jump to the end of that chapter, 1 John chapter 3. Confidence in Christ, verse 21, Beloved, if our hearts condemn us not, then we have confidence towards God. Verse 24, And he that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the Spirit, which He hath given us. Realizing our faults, agreeing with God, and yet allowing the Lord to realize, or allowing ourselves to realize that He dwelleth in each and every one of our hearts and in our, in, in our lives as well. The Bible says in Jeremiah 17, verse 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? You know what happens sometimes as we look at our confidence in Christ? We sometimes get our, eye, our confidence off of Christ and we put our confidence in ourselves again. And we think, you know what? I'm okay right where I'm at. And our heart suddenly grows silent to the convicting and we, we get this idea that, hey, I'm okay right where I'm at. I've arrived Somehow, in our minds, that's what we tell ourselves. In our inner man, that's what we say. And our heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? You know, maybe, maybe your heart is, is, is the kind that is very convicting and you feel like everything you've done is wrong and there's no way God wants to use you, then that's a lie. That's where our heart's deceitful. Or maybe your heart is saying, hey, you're perfectly fine. You don't need this message. You're doing good right where you're at. Just keep on chugging along. And each and every one of us each day can do a little bit better than we did the day before if we're honest with ourselves. 
This is where we need to look at Scripture and compare ourselves with Scripture and constantly grow in Scripture and realize where just where are we, spiritually speaking, compared with Jesus Christ. So we look and we realize that we need more of Christ. More of this inside look at ourselves. Martin Luther... Uh, a man in history was talking about how he went to confession hours each and every day. He would go to confession each and every day, and this is what he said. He says he wanted to make sure that no sin in his life was left unconfessed. He entered the confessional and stayed there for hours. Luther, Luther's reason for confession was because of his fright about God's judgment. He lived in a daily fear of immediate judgment of God on his life. He said on one occasion, if I could believe that God was not angry with me, I would stand on my head for joy. He became more distressed, more upset, physical pain. He would put himself through physical pain. He, would have, he, was, he was making himself sick so much because he thought God's judgment was just going to strike him down one day. The monks thought that Luther was on the verge of a psychotic episode or breakdown. His heavy doses of confession caused physical pain and suffering. He says, not, here's, here's key too as well as in Martin Luther's life. He says, not, no particular sin distressed him. It was his overall corrupt nature. What can I do to win a gracious God? Oh, my sin, my sin, what shall I do with my sin? He talks about how he greatly under, wanted to understand Paul's epistle to the Romans, and nothing stood in the way but that one expression, the just of God. The justice of God. Night and day I pondered until I saw a connection between the justice of God and the statement that the just shall live by faith. Then I grasped that the justice of God is the righteousness by which through grace and sheer mercy, God justifies us through faith in His Son, Jesus Christ. Thereupon I felt myself to be reborn and have gone through open doors into paradise. That was the missing piece. The reason of sinful humans, God cannot love, but through His grace, the doctrine of justification through faith alone, we are saved. What an amazing truth that is. And how it finally clicked for a man, and yet we see in history the, the power of that in his life. It, this is what John's trying to, to get people for it to click in the first century church. But God's not looking for perfect people. He's looking for people who are faithful. He's looking for people who are willing. God wants to use each and every one of us for a specific task and a specific reason. You know who we have to battle with the most is ourselves. We tell ourselves we cannot do these things, but yet God says, you can. <laughs> For I'm with you wherever you go. I will never leave you nor forsake you is what God says. God hasn't called us to do something in which He will not enable us. He will not call us somewhere just to leave us high and dry. But we need to have the right kind of mindset towards these things. We need to realize and agree, not with ourselves, not always with our heart and our conscience, but to agree with the Word of God. 
What kind of mindset do we have towards the Word of God? As we compare Scripture and promises that God has put in His Word, do we really apply those to our lives? Or do we live in our past failures? Are we, are, we fear, are, we, are we so depressed about our past failures and how little we've done for God, and then we live in this, in this anxiety of the future where we're nervous that next time we get tempted in this way or next time this happens, if I fail again, I'm just going to fail again. And we live with anxiety and we live with depression of the past. And you know what the Bible teaches us to live in? is today. Today. Live right here, right now. Don't think about your past failures. Don't be anxious about whether or not, what are you, how are you going to respond the next time it happens. Focus right here, right now on today. There was a golfer, and, uh, a professional golfer, and he was sitting in an interview. And he says, one of the, one of the news reporters asked him, they said, so in a, in a, in whenever you're in the, in the last stretch of putting, and you're in a clutch, and you've got to, you've got to putt, and you, you, you've only got three more strokes, kind of thing. He's like, well, how do you, how, what do you do? How do you tell yourself? How do you prep yourself for that? He says, I've never hit more than, it's never taken me more than three putts on a, on a clutch hitting to make the hole in the ball, or make the ball in the hole, sorry. <laughs> I'm really not good with sports, but I did read this. So, he says, he says, uh, yeah, sports is not my thing, but the mindset that this professional golfer had was this. He said, I, it's never taken me more than three strokes on a clutch inning to get that ball in the hole. And he says, the news, the news anchor says, well, uh, yeah, just the last time you were actually playing, you, it took you more than three to get it in the hole. He says, nope, never. He's like, I have it on video that it took you more than three strokes to get the ball in the hole. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about. Next question. <laughs> and they came up later to the psychologist, because they, they have a psychologist that goes around with these, with these golfers and everything, and the news anchor, the news guy came up to the psychologist and said, what, 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 are, what are you telling them to do? Like, what, why are they thinking that they, they don't do these things? He's, and, the, and, the, and the psychologist said, how, how long does it take you, or how many putts does it take you? And he's like, oh, I always have to do it in this. He's like, that's the, that's the mentality then. He's like, that's why you'll never be a professional golfer. With that mentality, you'll never be able to thrive because you're always going to say it always takes you X amount of tries before you get the ball into the hole. We've told ourselves that we fail in certain areas of our life. We've told ourselves that we'll never reach a certain level because we ourselves are the one telling ourselves those things. Because nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that certain of us will never, can never soar as high as God desires for us. Nowhere in Scripture does it ever say that, that certain people could not have been used because of their past failures. I mean, you think about Paul. The man's name was Saul at one point. He killed Christians, and yet how much influence does he have in the lives of others in the second half of his life? Our greatest battle is right up here. When the enemy comes, we automatically say we failed because it's all up here as well. Our inner man tells us in our heart, in our inner man, we say we failed already. But as Christians, as children of Jesus Christ, we can be more than conquerors through Jesus Christ.
to live in the present, to thrive in the present, not because we are some great people, but because we have a great God. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, then today is the day of salvation. Know Him today. For He will give you greater strength than you ever thought possible. He will allow you to be more than conquerors through Him. And Christians this morning, don't feel like we're failures. Don't think of ourselves anymore as failures because we are a child of the King. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You for this morning. I thank You, Lord, that You have allowed us, that we can claim these promises, that if we need wisdom, we can ask of it. If we need help in certain areas of our lives, Lord, that You will help us, You will grant us the power and the blessing in which we deserve and we desire, excuse me, not deserve. But Lord, I pray that You would help us this morning. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior. Our confidence is not in ourselves. Our confidence is not in our own flesh. For the Bible says, for the wages of sin is death. Our payment, those things that we've earned, if we're honest with ourselves and we look in our inner man, we realize that we all have sin on us. None of us can merit, can earn our way into heaven. But the Bible goes on to say that God commended His love towards us and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God was evident. It was shown to us through His Son, Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect sinless life and died on the cross for my sin, for your sin, for the sins of the entire world, the Bible says. And that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. This word believe is not just simply to acknowledge, to believe that Jesus was a person, but to actually believe and to trust. To come and to, and to realize that He is the only way, the truth, and the life. And no man can go to heaven except by Him. No man can see the Father's face except through His Son, Jesus Christ. And if you're here this morning and maybe you've never done that before, again, it's not by your works, it's not of anything that you can do, it is simply by faith. And so it's agreeing with God and realizing, God, I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. And I believe and I trust that you sent your Son, Jesus, to die on the cross for my sin. And right here today, I'm trusting Him as the only way to heaven. Lord, forgive me. Lord, I pray that if someone this morning prayed that or agreed with You in that way, and Lord, that they would not be ashamed Lord, we, would, we as a church would be so excited that the angels even in heaven rejoice when one person comes to know you as their personal Savior. So if you've done that this morning, if you've done that today, I'm not going to embarrass you, I'm not going to call you out, but if you've prayed that prayer, you just agreed with God, would you simply raise your hand this morning? No one's looking around. Hey, put your hands down. Lord, I thank You for that. Lord, I pray for the Christians in this room. 
Lord, I pray that You would help us to realize that we can be more than conquerors in You. Lord, that for some reason You desired to use us as imperfect people to complete Your perfect will. Lord, I pray that You will help us not to stumble our own selves, be too critical of our own self, but Lord, to have the boldness to realize that and in the assurance that You desire to use us as Your children. And God, I thank You for that. I thank You for that opportunity. And I pray that we as Christians do not take this opportunity lightly. I pray, God, that You would help us to meet us as we strive and as we run this race that has been set before us and as we strive to tell others about You and as we strive to be a light in this dark world. God, I pray we need Your help. We need Your strength. Lord, may we walk in the power of the Holy Spirit as we live in this world. Use us for Your glory. Use us, God, as a church. May we not compare ourselves with others. May we not get so caught up with the things of this world, but may we simply just be faithful to You in the small things. Be faithful to You each and every day. And Lord, we love You and we thank You for the power that You've given through us to us through the help of Your Holy Spirit. In your name we pray. Amen.